You may be seated. Amen. Amen. You guys sound really, really good this afternoon. I'm going to be reading from the first of uh, the letter of First John uh, this afternoon. First John chapter four, verses seven through eleven. The words will be on the screen for you. I am reading from the English Standard Version, and that is the version on the screen. If you'd like to follow along with me there, that'd be great. First, first John 4, 7, the disciple of Jesus, uh, John the disciple, is the one who wrote this letter. This is what he says. <clears throat> he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray together. Father, we just come before You this afternoon and we thank You Already for our time together, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together and to lift our voices to worship you because you alone are worthy. Father, we could spend all evening talking about the great things that you have done in our lives. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your son Jesus, and I just pray that as we continue to exalt him to today in this place, that your Holy Spirit would just fall on us. God, help us to see how beautiful Jesus is and what he has done for us in light of who we are. And may we see our need for Jesus. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you have finished your Christmas shopping? Show of hands. No, no lying here. That's only. How many of you have not finished your Christmas shopping? Listen, I got some bad news for you, man. You are in trouble because it is, it's Christmas Eve, by the way. You guys know that, right? It's this Christmas Eve service. Uh, I, I guess the rest of you are, are procrastinators, but that's all right. You know, on the one hand, buying and receiving gifts can be a very exciting time for us. It gives us a chance to really show people how much we love them. It's, it's always exciting when you think you've bought that perfect gift for someone and you wait with anticipation for them to open that gift and see their expression, right? It's always a fun time. But on the other hand, it can be very stressful, right? Because sometimes you just don't know what to buy the other person, right? Anybody here like that? You just, it's more of a stressful time, more of anxiety, and it's like, what do I, what do I buy this person? Because you want to make sure it is the perfect gift. There is a lot of pressure when buying gifts. But here's the other thing, too. It can be disappointing because oftentimes what happens is, is we measure somebody's love and affection based on what they give us. For instance, when you're a kid, nothing says, I love you at Christmas time when your parents buy you socks and underwear. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? Come on, parents. If you, bought, if you got your, your kids socks and underwear this year, go home tonight and just, just keep that gift to yourself tonight. <laughs> don't, don't give that to them. You can buy them socks and underwear any time of the year, but don't do that. And guys, listen, unless your wife specifically asked for it, do not buy them pots and pans 
for Christmas, okay? Don't, buy, don't do that, right? Because, again, we can, we can measure uh, someone's love and affection for us based on that gift. But here's the thing. As fun as gift buying and gift receiving is, Christmas is ultimately not about that. It's not about decorating a tree, as fun as that is. It's not about eating lots of food and gaining a few LBs, right? Or gaining a lot of LBs, depending on how much you eat. Christmas is ultimately about the fact that God has given us the best gift ever. It's about God showing us how much He loves us by giving us the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is ultimately about. And here's the thing. I think it's easy for us to lose sight of that. I think it's easy for us to, to lose the awe and wonder of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ because of all of the craziness that is this time of year. It's easy for us to get caught up in the gift buying and the gift receiving. And it's so important for us to really grasp this reality because I know that there are some of us who are sitting in this place tonight. There are some in our community who have gone through some difficult times in your lives. And through this year, you've gone through some difficult moments. You've, there, there's probably been moments where you've doubted God's love. Maybe you've gone through a circumstance and you're, you're just kind of wondering, does God really care about me? Does God really love me? I'm willing to bet that there are probably some of you who are in this place today, tonight, who are wondering if you can even be loved. You maybe feel unlovable. Maybe some of you feel like God can never forgive you for something you've done in your past. Maybe you feel like God has given up on you. And maybe God feels more distant to you because of that. And I just want to encourage you this afternoon that Christmas is a reminder that there is absolutely no limit to God's love for you. Amen? And this passage that we just read from 1 John shows us that. It doesn't matter who you are. Right? There's no barrier to God's great love for us. I want you to notice how John starts this passage out in verse 7. He says, Beloved. Beloved. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to you and he's talking to me. Beloved means to be esteemed and held in high regard. John is saying that this is who you are. Beloved by God. Now here, here's what's really cool about this, okay? Because in Matthew's gospel, it's actually I think it's in all four gospels, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke especially, you will see that when Jesus comes onto the scene and he is being baptized by John the Baptist, uh, Jesus comes up out of the water and a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You also hear that phrase from God the Father speaking of his own son Jesus when at the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, this is my beloved son. And listen, you've you got to see this. John here in this letter is using the same reference about you and me. We are the children of God. He is reminding us of this gospel truth. Gospel means good news. That if we have put our trust and faith in Jesus for salvation... That if we've accepted this, this great gift from God, His Son Jesus, then we are beloved children. This is your identity. This is who you are. You are beloved by God, the creator of the universe. That alone creates some awe and wonder in us, right? The fact that God who spoke this world into existence 
calls us beloved children of God. Listen, this is so important. If you grasp even this little, little piece of good news here, this will change your life because this means that you are not defined by what you do. Your identity is not wrapped up in what you look like. It's not wrapped up in your job and success. It's not wrapped up in any of that stuff, but your identity is in who you are in Christ. You are beloved by God. Amen? But listen, it gets even better than that. Notice what he says. He says, love is from God. Now, the Greek word from there is the word ex, and it's where we get our English word exit from. So in other words, what John is saying is that love literally exits from God. It emanates from God. It's who God is. God is love. God is love so we can know that he loves without caution or restriction. God is love so we can know that his love is without limits. God is love so that we can know that he loves beyond Beyond your inadequacies, beyond my inadequacies, beyond our failures, God is love. And if God is love, then we know there is no greater to which we can hope to receive. No greater love. God doesn't just say, I love you. He doesn't just come out and say, hey guys, I I really love you. Believe me. No, God showed us his love by sending his son Jesus And this is what John says next. He says, because John, he says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Listen to me. This is the gospel. If you attend Chester Christian Church here uh, regularly, you know that this is the central message. We preach this every single week. We are here to make much of Jesus. We do that by reaching people with the gospel, discipling people in the gospel, and equipping people to share the gospel. The gospel is the message. And the gospel is the good news that God lovingly sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. All right, that God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his one and only son. This is, this is the initiating love of God towards us. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God moving towards us, not away from us. He made his love visible. I love what Matthew says in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 23. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love what the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? So if you're ever in a Bible trivia game and somebody says, who wrote this book? Just shout out the Apostle Paul, and more than likely you'll be right, Okay. Just a little tidbit there for you. But the Apostle Paul writes this in, in Colossians 1.15. He says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And then John, who wrote 1 John in John's gospel, he writes these words, chapter 1, verse 14. He says, and the word referring to Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen, this is the initiating love of God. It is good news. It is the gospel Right? Now why? Why did Jesus need to come as a baby? Why, why did he need to come as a baby? Why, why couldn't he just appear uh, as an adult on the scene and just kind of show up one day walking along the road? Why did he need to come as a baby? Well, John tells us in this passage, he says, He loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. That word simply means that Jesus died in our place. 
Jesus is our substitute. He died for our sins. The Apostle Paul writes these words in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. He says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, and here's why Jesus had to come as a baby, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So, so the law that Paul refers to here is the Old Testament law. Think Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. And when someone breaks the law, it is called sin. Romans 3.23 tells us that all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That includes every single person in this room. And because we've broken the law, because we have sinned, the Bible tells us that we are under a curse. You see, our sin separates us from God, our Creator, because God is a holy and righteous God, and He is without sin. So every single person on this planet has turned away from God. We have rebelled against God. We have said, God, we don't need you. We will do our own thing, and that is sin. And the punishment for sin is eternal hell, separation from God for eternity. That's bad news. You guys are like, this is supposed to be Christmas Eve. Come on, man. (laughs) It gets better, I promise. Okay? Right? Here's the thing. There's no escape from this curse of God's law. It was, we're guilty. The only way to be free from the curse of the law was someone else had to pay the penalty. And this is what John is saying that Jesus did. At just the right time, God initiates He manifested himself, his love towards us, and he sent Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us under the law, right? This is why Jesus came as a baby. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus lived the life that you and I could not live. He lived perfectly. He obeyed the law perfectly. And therefore, he paid the full penalty of our sins on the cross. Propitiation. He died in our place. So think about this for a moment, right? When Jesus was on the cross, all of God's wrath towards our sin was put on Jesus. It was put on Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus is our substitute. He died in our place. Therefore, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus for salvation, we get Jesus' perfect life. That is glorious news. Be in awe and wonder of this. This is the initiating love of God. Listen, no other religion in the world would ever say that their God would humble themselves to come to earth to put on flesh and do what Jesus did. No other religion in the world. But that's the initiating love of God. But that's not all. Listen, it gets even better than that. You're like, how can it get any better? Check this out. Here, here's what makes this even more amazing. John says, in this is love, not that we loved God, right, but that he loved us. You see, because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God, we were enemies. The Bible says that we were enemies of 
God. And yet, and yet, in our rebellion and in our sin, in our turning away from God, God did not disengage us. He did not lean away from us, but yet He initiated His love towards us and He moved in. And He got in the middle of our brokenness. He got in the middle of our mess. Says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and me. That is good news. Be in awe and wonder of this. May we never ever doubt God's love for us. And here's why this is so important, that we even grasp just a little bit of this gospel good news of God's love for us, right? Because like I said earlier, I am aware, man, that there are some people who are struggling in one area of life or another. I know that life can be discouraging at times. I know that when you leave this place, man, reality is going to hit and you might become discouraged I know that because of circumstances in life, our lives, we, we can tend to doubt if God really cares about us. I know that there are real fears in this place. I know that there are doubts in this place. I know that there are real addictions in this place. Some of you feel lonely and isolated. Some of you struggle with depression. I, I get that. I know. Uh, and here's the good news of the gospel is that God, in his initiating love, moves towards you. He doesn't move away from you. He moves towards you. It means that God meets you in the middle of your brokenness. It means that he identifies, Jesus identifies with your struggles. He identifies with your hurts, disappointments, and suffering. It means that Jesus desires to have a relationship with every single one of you. It's amazing. It's the initiating love of God. So if you've experienced this initiating love of God, how do we respond? Well, John tells us in this little passage here, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Once you've experienced the grace and mercy, once you've experienced the gospel message, and you've been like, God did this for me. Jesus died in my place. Once you've experienced that, that, that grace and mercy, you then begin to extend that grace and mercy to others. You see, you begin to see that, that God, uh, even though he was rich, became poor for your sake. Right? You, you begin to, to see that, and, and you begin to see that God's love was unconditional, no strings attached, self-sacrificial kind of love. Therefore, we express that same sacrificial love to others. We love only because God loved us first. It means that we love those who have been pushed to the margins of society. We love those who are not like us, who don't look like us. We love them the way God loves us. Just like God entered into the mess of our lives, we enter into the mess of others. And we engage. We show up. Right, we're the hands and feet of Jesus, and we showed them the love. Amen? So this is what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're going to spend some time praying silently at your seat. And this is what I want you to pray about, okay? Uh, I want you to just simply pray for people in your life, people that you know who are, who are discouraged, who are frustrated, who are going through a difficult time. Maybe that's you. And you just need to sit there, and you just need to spend a moment of prayer just saying, God, I... 
I know you love me. Just help, help me to believe that, God. Help me, to, help, me to, help me to get the gospel from my head to my heart. Help me to see that. And I would encourage you to continue praying that even after you leave here because this is good news. And then I want you to pray for those in your area of influence. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker, Maybe it's a family member who's not here. And I just want you to pray for them that, that they, they might experience the love of God, that, that God might use you to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that they may see Christ in you. So let's do that just, just for a moment, uh, and then we're going to take the candles out and light those, and I'll give you some instructions, okay? So let's take just a, a brief moment and pray silently in your seats there. Father, we just come before you, and there is absolutely nothing more important that we can do uh, than what we just did, and that's simply come to you and, 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 and share what's on our heart and to communicate with you, Father. We thank you for this privilege that we have, that we are able to do that because of what your son Jesus has done for us. Father, we know that there are people in our own lives, we know maybe even ourselves, who are just, I, mean, I think we all struggle at times. God, we all need to preach this gospel message to ourselves every single day and just be reminded of who we are in Christ, that we are your beloved children. Father, I pray that as we leave here tonight that you would help us to remember this message. God, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus, that there somebody in our life that, that, that maybe we um, are frustrated with or uh, we don't necessarily care so much about, God, help us to see them through your eyes. God, help us to have the same compassion that you have towards us. God, help us to live a life of, of love that is self-sacrificial and no strings attached because that is exactly what you did. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. We thank you for the awe and wonder. May we not lose that awe and wonder. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to light our candles, and I'm going to go ahead and ask the ushers who have the lighters to go ahead and start. And um, th this, is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song here. And, and I want this to be a reminder, as we just said, we, we kind of go out. There's people in our community who are hurting. And I want us to, to leave here tonight, and, and we are to be a light in our community, a light that shines in the darkness. That's exactly what Jesus was and is. He's a light that shines in the darkness. And so tonight, as we wrap this up, and as we sing this song together, I want you to think about that, that you are to be a light in our community, a light into the darkness.